And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. David, contain yourself. You are a shirtless model. That's what we were just talking about, how that's his dream. The people need to watch the videos solely for my facial expressions that I'll be sharing the podcast. You know what's so great about about you? So, just so everyone knows, we've released um, the videos full length on YouTube. There's a YouTube channel, Emotional Support Pod, um, and the one thing that was missing, I feel like, throughout all of these years, is people were missing like what you do with your hands because you're very much like me. You're Italian esque where it's like they're all over the place and so much is going on and you get so fired up. And then you give examples of like what things are based on your hand movements. And I'm like, David, we've been over this. No one can see the video. Like, Nobody can see the video. Now they can. I would be a director's worst nightmare because it's not only the hands. Right. I'll like dip. You dip in and out. Yeah, you, I'm you just do like, funny facial expressions, like to like prepare yourself, like for your question, your answer. You're like, hmm, let me get into this. And I'm like, no one can see that. Like nobody can see. But now they um, can. So that's what's exciting. Well, David, it is about to be Valentine's Day. We wanted to do something a little spicy, a little different, um, and talk about our favorite subject love. Um, we did some amazing Q and A's. I got so many questions. I didn't even know where to like stop or start. Um, but since we're focusing on love today, um, I had a great question. Um, and I have a little idea of how I would answer it, but you know, we're here for the, the good, um, scientific factual neuroscientist, um, (laughs) answer. So the question is, how to fix my attachment style. So David, like, what's the deal with love in our brain? I keep telling myself that I'm not going to use this podcast as a platform for me to teach people about all the <laughs> random facts that have been stored in my brain. Over but how else are you going to get those random facts years out? <laughs> of my education. Um, like any other white male should, who's in a sweater and a collared shirt, I will stand at the front of a university lecture hall that you pay $50,000 a year to attend. And I force you to listen to me. <laughs> I'm all about it. Let's, let's just like pick a random fact out of it. We, there are neurotransmitters in your brain. Uh-huh. I feel like we've talked about this before. Yes. Like the, 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 the chemical imbalance hypothesis. Right. Right. You, yeah, there's dopamine, there's there's glutamate, there's GABA, there's, you know, all of the things that your brain is one big car engine essentially filled with a bunch of different fluids. And if you have too much or too little of those fluids, you have disease. SSRIs essentially attempt to boost the amount of serotonin in your brain to not make you sad or depressed. Um, there's a, the whole internet craze right now of some other neuroscientist with his own podcast who won't be named. But uh, so there's some truth to this. Back in the olden days, and when I mean olden days, I mean like pre 2000s. Right. <laughs> there was a lot of work that was done essentially being like, what is in the brain and how did neurons communicate with each other? Mm-hmm. So essentially, like brain cells touch each other. Like a lot of biological action is interpreted through contact. Okay. Some molecule bumps into another molecule, tool cells touch each other, and then a reaction happens. So it's just really physics at the end of the day. 
So it's like every first date. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much touching <laughs> I was doing on first dates, but. Uh, heavy petting, heavy yeah, petting, like, heavy yeah, petting. Like the amount of touching I wish I was doing to the amount of touching I was actually doing was like a weird delta that we're not going to get into. But yes, um, consensual touching. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> off the rails. Listen, I had to bring it that way. We're all thinking it, okay? Yeah, that's okay. Fine, we're all touching. Um, <laughs> but this is how like it's like a t- forces like with like basic right. physics like motion like uh, things bump into each other it's how sure. reactions happen like the same applies to biology in your brain so there's like a bunch of effort being like not only do cells like bump into each other and contact and interact but cells release molecules that then like float around in the ether and like float to different spaces and then touch other things for you and like places cool. you can't reach beyond this is a great hand motion yes this is a great thing one that, that i'm doing yes yeah um so there was a lot of focus on like what do what are the things that those cells release? If I like physically can't touch you because I'm too far away from you. Right. What What do I release that then like floats through the ether and like does something in some other location? Right. Like, a lot of work was done on sort of like classical neurotransmission. So like chemicals, your nerves send electrical signals that cause chemicals to be released from them. They float across the synapse. They touch another neuron. The whole thing continues to tell you brain activity. They're like, what are those things? Glutamate, GABA, glycine dopamine, serotonin, all there's like a huge list of them. And then there's like the less classically known ones. Oxytocin is referred to as the love hormone. Oh. So when this was found in prairie voles, don't ask me how a or what? why. A prairie vole, like the little things in the Midwest that like dig in the ground and like run around and then like pop their heads up. They're yeah. like wildly interesting. That's where they found out where love comes from. Yeah, so they have like really interesting social dynamics. Okay, and how their the more you know take care of their 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 offspring, and they found that if you deplete oxytocin, they won't form bonds or connections. And then we realized that in humans, that if you image for oxytocin when a mother is like breastfeeding a newborn baby or like it's like falling in love, like your brain is releasing more of this chemical at those exact times. Wow. So there's been a lot of like, what is the chemical and then when is it released and in how much quantity? And then you can correlate that release to whatever behavior. Okay. It seems that oxytocin and a couple other sort of neurochemicals are released around love. We found it in like a weird model organism. But yeah, this, so there's this idea that this just sort of perpetuated the idea that in neuroscience there are like specific chemicals mm. like every point in your life where there's the happiness hormone or there's the love drug and like all these sorts of things. And like, you know, like if we really get into the weeds of it, we don't really know. Right. But there are, you know, like it perpetuates this idea of like only if I could inject a bunch of oxytocin, you know, like then I will fix my love sure. and attachment theory. Sure. Um, But, like, people try and do this. I mean, like, I'll rant about dopamine now. Um, And I promise I will get back to the original question here. This all leads somewhere. (laughs) It all goes somewhere. I've lost, like, half the people already. Whatever. (laughs) You're trapped. I'm in your ears right now. You're trapped like a rat. (laughs) So this idea that, like, it's correlated with these things. It might might not be causal. Mm -hmm. But it's correlated with, like, you know, love, bonding, happiness, sadness. Um. 
so sort of the inverse is thought to be true as well. Like, you know, like people that have attachment issues or people that struggle with depression or people that struggle with reward and addiction. I'm now trying to just start to reverse hack these sorts of things. Mm. Okay. So like you'll hear about people doing dopamine fasts because they're like, and is dopamine a pill? No, dopamine's a, a neurotransmitter as well. But can um, you put it in a pill? Like I'm saying, is there a way for yeah, us I mean, to like order it. some dopamine? Like, <laughs> no, I mean, like there are like people that definitely try and take supplements to boost dopamine. Okay, it's like the trendy one right now. I feel like I texted you about this. Like people trying to take L-tyrosine, so right. like a, a modified amino acid. There's right. twenty of them. You only get a number of them from your diet. You have to eat the rest of them. You have a bunch of enzymes in your body that convert these amino acids into other building blocks that your body needs to run. Mm-hmm. The idea is like, can we use basic sophomore year in high school chemistry and empirical formulas and be like, what if we dump a bunch of precursors into your body that then eventually turn into dopamine? Right. Like, well, boost my dopamine. It doesn't right. work like that. It's like mm. very like rate limiting steps and enzyme imbalance and all the fun stuff. And now I'm on a tangent. Right. So it doesn't work. So Guys, you can get dopamine, yes, though, work. from like going on Instagram and like getting that hit. So that's right? what you're or, like, saying. Going so, like, on TikTok, getting a hit. There's, yeah, there's like, like getting hits of dopamine, essentially. Like when it's not a reward chemical, but it's correlated with like when you're doing something rewarding or your body finds something that you're right. doing that is rewarding, you release dopamine. So people right. are like, I'm not going to do anything rewarding and try and right. retrain my brain. I'm going to like quit Twitter and stop scrolling. Right. So then when I do things that actually bring me joy, I'm going to like reset how dopamine works in my brain. Right. But does that work? the noise issue. No. So, but no. like. Sure. But if it makes you feel better, then go for but it. But if it makes you feel better, go for it. It's a right. like great way to create content of like shirtless in the pool and, and, and you know, Hawaii, like with your professional photographer. Like it's great. My there, thirst you trap. You have to be That's, able to sit. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You have right. to be able to separate like, the, like, this is scientific fact from, like, this right. is how we operate. It's like when I health. post, like, things about, like, mental health awareness and then I post a bikini shot. It's like, that's my thirst trap. Like, I'm like, this is my brand. Why not both? Why, why not, not both? both? If why the people want both? it, why not both? Give yeah. the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Um, but anyway, so where I'm going with this is... There is some truth to this. The way that we try and intervene might not be the best way that we do it. Mm-hmm. But like if you look at people, and I'm going to go to like the extreme ends of the spectrum in the way that I normally like to do this, who have like disattachment theory to like reality. Like they're like no longer operating the same reality yeah. that we do. If you scan their brains, you put them in an MRI machine, you look at, here's a guy, I'm going to blow your mind. You can use magnets to actually sense how much dopamine is in your brain. Or like oxytocin, like when you sit in an MRI machine, like the way that water splits and electrons hit a magnet and a circle, wow. you can actually measure the level of these things. It's weird. So there's a way to measure people's like brain chemical systems while they're awake and moving and doing tasks. So like there's sure. a bunch of stuff where like people will sit in MRI machines and they'll, you'll ask them, how do you feel? Right. Or like here's 10 objects, rate the one that makes you feel the best, rate the one that feels the work. We're going to poke you with a needle while you're sitting in there and give you a painful stimulation and see like how your brain chemistry changes. So if you look at people who feel disassociated, attached to the wrong things, the way in which their brain chemistry spikes like over time, Mm -hmm. like if I hand you your baby, your oxytocin will peak. 
Right. Like if if you if you hand somebody a child that isn't theirs, there's it, it's not going to do. It's not going to change. Right. Right. So like I feel like there's actually a biological basis to maybe the way we treat about it, that maybe the the chemical imbalance hypothesis is too simplistic. Mm-hmm. But there is something here to like the attachment idea of like there's something wrong in which not how much or how little of these hormones that I have, but like where they're arranged in space and how they happen, mm. where you start to feel like, oh, something's wrong. Right, right. And like we have a lot of evidence that shows that maybe this is true. Right. And the way that we try and deal with that through therapy or pharmacology is like, doesn't ever really resolve this time constant in a way that I feel like we need to think about a little bit more critically. But I mean, like, in the simplest form, like, yes, like there are people who like struggled immensely mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. interpersonal relationships with, you know, like intimate relationships where they feel like, oh, I want this strong sense of connection. I right. feel like I should have this strong sense of connection and maybe I'm not getting it. And like, maybe the reason I'm not getting it is because there's something chemically wrong in my brain. Sure. Sure. And like, it might be real. Like, right. I don't know. You don't know. Don't listen to anybody who's going to tell you they know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that there is this idea of like, you know, like, so what do you do with it? Like I'm making right. fun of the dopamine people that are like, oh, I'm going to change my entire lifestyle. And now I'm going to sit here and be like, well, maybe you should change your lifestyle. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like, right. But I do think there is something to this idea of like, we have to try and reset. Mm-hmm. Like no amount of supplement, no amount of like drilling holes in the side of your head to release the pressure is going to change the way that your brain is genetically and environmentally wired. But I do think that there is some value in understanding that the nonsense of, of scientific evidence that has just let you down on this pathway yeah. to be like, look, like, like it's okay. Like you are not broken in the sense that like you need to change the, the chemical imbalances or neural circuitries in your brains to like have these meaningful relationships. But like the brain is a plastic thing. Yeah, shapes it, forms it, adapts, and it changes. And I think that I and I see a lot of these people that are in these situations where they're like, "I struggle with this, therefore I avoid it." Mm. And the only thing you're doing is reinforcing the fact that this is the way your brain should work if you avoid those problems. So you should I work through that, it, so then you can reform that brain. And I think it's difficult to like try and give people advice of just like the Nike slogan of just like just go out and do the thing that makes you right. most terrified in the world, but like. Right. Hopefully we're getting to a spot where like give it and I like give you these scientific facts to not like stand on, but to like help support the idea that like we are all different. Our brains are all wired a little bit differently. Some are more optimized for some situations than other. We know that they can change. So like if you're having attachment issues, like I hope we can get to the point where someone could approach you and be like, hey, I really struggle with intimacy. And like having that conversation and being like the the cultural expectation around like this is how you should act if you love someone or this is how you should feel or these are the type this of bonding moments be, that right. you should have. Right. And like, hey, maybe I'm not there yet, but like, is there a way to practice? Like, is there a way where me and somebody else like in a controlled environment who understands that these are the struggles that I'm going through, like, can we work on this and, and do you I think, think it's that, by like, working on it with like a partner 
that someone that you just meet or is it talking with friends or something and like friends family i think even a therapist like if you went in i feel like we really suck at being good patients in therapy Mm -hmm. um like if you went to a therapist and you were like hey i struggle with being intimate with my partner is there a way that we can build therapy around working on the things that I need to do to be more vocal or show, you know, like nonverbal communication in a way it's like you can partially, it doesn't just have to be talk therapy. You know what I mean? It it can be goal directed in the sense that, Hey, we might not be able to inject your brain with more dopamine. Hey, we might not be able to like, you know, give you synthetic forms of oxytocin, but like, can we read, pattern and like train in the same way that you would go outside and shoot free throws and like teach yourself to go through the repetition of those things, right? which is terrifying and scary. I hear you. Yeah. But I think that there is like a value to this. Like your brain is very plastic. You can teach old dogs, new tricks Mm -hmm. and like engaging around this. Like, yes, I might be bad at this very specific thing. That doesn't mean that I will be bad at it forever. And I really do think that the practice here makes proficiency mm-hmm. in a way that we might often be scared to open up and talk about, you know, like I, I struggle to, you know, like do these sorts of things. Like, I think this sort of like, I will share a personal tidbit, even though nobody oh. is. Wow. I really this is a struggle. personal moment. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, like, and I, like from a, a traumatic experience that I had in my life, I really struggled with people touching me. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I felt like a weirdo mm. for the longest time, like with my partner. Cause I was like, you know, like the way that she would show love and affection and like non-sexual, like touch, right. like, you know what I mean? Right, like, right, just, like, right, 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 right. I'm like, please don't touch me. Like, I just like, I, and it's like, it, you get like it, the heebie jeebies. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, you know, like it's tough. I, I, I and it only really started changing and getting better until I like opened up and like I don't think you, you have to like air your trauma out for people, but like just vocalize being like, hey, I know this is different about me, but like I need X, Y, and Z and like mm-hmm. I want to get better at this, but like the only way that I can't get better at this is if you go at my speed. And well, you like and- work through it with me. And that's like the I think the thing that has been helpful, like if you yeah that knowledge to all sorts of different things about fears or inadequacies or feeling like you're not good enough or like having weird quirks and like you know it's okay to be yourself but it's also Mm -hmm. like i'm not trying to say that we should all be like moving towards this like central mean of like idealized like this is how everybody should act and feel like i'm obviously there's a lot of diversity right but there's something about this idea of you can retrain your brain we can argue till we're blue in the face about what different levels of supplements will do as you go through that process. But I do think like one of the most powerful tools that we have is like, we're the only animals that we know of that can talk and communicate with each other in complex ways. Like you should use that to your advantage when you're trying to work through things being like, I'm in this rut or I'm attached to this thing I shouldn't be attached to. Like, it's it's 2023 we're more accepting now than we've ever been in your entire life before like vocalize those things to people and be like can you help me work through this and like be a an active participant as i work through it myself 
And I will say what's so interesting, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that personal, you know, fact, because it brings up something for me, which is something that I was going to talk about, not even on the podcast. I was going to do just a kind of a quick video on my Instagram because I wanted to, you know, selfishly, I think the reason why I use my Instagram by posting little videos is because I want to know that I'm not alone, right? Like we all want to know that we're not alone. We all want to hear that someone else has been through something that we've been through. And I, unlike you, have been the complete opposite of someone where I'm a very touchy-feely person with my friends. I love like, and I'm not, and not in a sexual way, but just like, like what you're saying, like I'm always giving hugs to people. I'm always holding people's hands. I'm very much affectionate like that. And since I gave birth, And I had a very traumatic birth since I had to have a DNC, you know, three weeks afterwards. I had people poking and prodding my vagina 24 hours a day. Like, it was a lot. I'm so traumatized to the point where I don't even like Sturgis to even like give me a hug. Like, I get the heebie-jeebies. And it's something that I was so embarrassed of and something I was so ashamed of where I even recently went, like there was a, you know, like a, I was gifted from, from Sturgis, like this massage, basically like to have a massage. Right. And I went in there and I was like, Nope, you know what? I can't do this because I did not want a stranger to touch me. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm so sorry. Like there's nothing personal, but, but I am so traumatized. And it was the first time I had vocalized. I have trauma from what I went through. I do not want to be touched. It's something that I need to start. And, and it, just even by saying it out loud made it feel like, oh, oh, this is okay. You know what I mean? This is okay. Um, and every time I would leave my pelvic floor therapy, I was going to pelvic floor therapy once or twice a week. And they would have to, you know, very graphic, like put their hands inside me to make sure that my Kegels were working. My pelvic floor was contracting. Like, if, But I knew it was for a reason and it was helping me and it yeah. was women and it was an incredible company and they were doctors. And, and so hearing that the brain is plastic, right? And hearing that this is not permanent. This is not something that I cannot fix. This isn't something that cannot be like molded differently very soon, right? It's not like I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. Um, it's very inspiring and it's very exciting to know like, oh, wow, look at, you know, something that might have happened to you. You've been able to work through it and look at you have a healthy relationship with your wife, you know, and, and, and you're, you're better at this, you know, it's, it's, and, and I think that it all goes back to, you know, um, you know, a lot of, you know, people have written in that have had sexual traumas and stuff when they were younger and not knowing how to be in relationships and, and just knowing that our brain is plastic, that it is moldable, that it is changeable, that we can get through this just by having conversations and finding the right people. It's just so helpful. And I think what a great Valentine's day, that we can share this, this little like, you know, wink, um, to everyone that there is hope. There is hope with our attachment style. That's it. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day. 